Hi, I'm Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Daniel. And I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet just can't get enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So each episode we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. Today, we're very excited to share our initial reactions and theories for The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 7. Later, we'll do a quick recap of our reactions to all the biggest news out of last week in Star Wars Celebration in London. But first, though, we're going to talk about this episode. It was written by John Favreau and Dave Filoni, directed by Rick Famuyiwa. This is your official spoiler warning for all uh, for this episode, all things Star Wars, like the whole thing. It, we're, we're going to talk about it all. Uh, so if you're ready, grab a drink, stay hidden from the New Republic forces. Uh, when you're chatting to your probe droid, I mean, maybe move a little bit in more into the alley. Maybe not know, right in the about, intersection. Yeah, let's yeah. think about that. While we discuss this episode, Chapter 23, The Spies. You guys ready to punch it? I'm ready to ditch these other imps with Pelion and go find Thrawn, honestly. Hell yeah. <laughs> to the forge! Actually, no. <laughs> to Coruscant. Because that's where we start this episode. That is true. <laughs> yep, we are with Elia Kane as she walks through a kind of rainy, rainy cyberpunk neighborhood. It looks really, really cool. And yeah. instantly, I'm like, oh, this is where the Coruscant budget went. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it looked really good in the in the earlier episode when we saw her like walking around with Pershing. But this just felt, I don't know if it was just the rain, but it felt a lot more tactile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that looked yeah. amazing. She meets with an Imperial probe droid, which I don't know if this thing got reprogrammed technically too, but it didn't really. And it's just roaming the streets like nothing's wrong. <laughs> and I would be her... terrified. <laughs> right? And she reports to, we all guess it, Moff Gideon himself. She explains mm-hmm. that the New Republic didn't help Navarro. It was in fact Mandalorians led by Bo and Din. Mm-hmm. Gideon tells her to continue her mission and he'll deal with this Mando problem himself. Fine, I'll deal with it myself. He walks away through a very scary Imperial-looking hallway with some cloning tanks before entering a nice big conference room and we have the Shadow Council group chat. All of these Imperial warlords are together. Uh, We see Pelion chastising other Imperial commanders about their kind of hit and run tactics and how that's going to draw new Republic attention. Mm-hmm. You know, there are lots of Imperial loyalists out there on a lot of planets, but you know, they're kind of arguing as to whether or not they should move into the open. Pelion insists that they need to wait for Grand Admiral Thrawn's return, but he's rebuffed by Gideon, who's just like, You keep talking about this guy. I don't yeah. know, but I don't I put up I a shot. Where is he? <laughs> yeah, where is Thrawn? <laughs> he doesn't even go here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's an alien. He suggests that perhaps new leadership is needed. And I instantly am like, is Gideon about to be like, I'm moving for a vote of no confidence? (laughs) In Grand Admiral Thrawn? (laughs) Funny thing is, Thrawn wouldn't care. (laughs) 
<laughs> no. <laughs> but other people seem to agree. They're like, yeah, we've been waiting for this guy for a while and it's not happening. When asked about Dr. Pershing, Gideon lies through his teeth. And it's like, it's fine. look, I took care of it. It's fine. I don't know what, what experiments, what, what side experiments are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Go focus on Project Necromancer. Uh, oh, and by the way, fascination. Oh, and by the way, I need three Praetorian guards. Yeah. For what? <laughs> uh, and some more bombers and some, and some tie interceptors. Like, let, let's just uh, give me the inventory. And ultimately, the council agrees to send him those guards and his new supplies. Woof. I'm sure that'll all work out fine. So now we're back on Navarro. The Mandos do an unscheduled buzzing of the tower as citizens and Grieve Karga look on. The citizens are terrified. Grieve Karga's like, oh, maybe I should have told everyone that <laughs> the Mandalorians would be arriving in an Imperial ship. Inside the gauntlet, Bo wonders if the two Mando factions will get along when they meet. Din says that they better if they want to survive. And you can totally tell that Bo is thinking... Have you ever met Mandalorians? <laughs> For real. Because this is We love be a throwing problem. ourselves in danger. And throwing themselves into very silly situations. <laughs> Shockingly, though, the armorer welcomes the newcomers with a feast, but the factions do still seem wary of each other, especially when half of them take off their helmets and the others don't. <laughs> yep. I'm sure this will be fine. At the feast, Bo tells everyone that it's time to retake Mandalore, and both members from both tribes volunteer to go scout it out. So, big question, cool. big question out of this scene, though. We we have to talk about it right away. Mm. Did they eat the bird foundlings? No, no, no. <laughs> there were bird monsters on the lava flats. I choose to believe that is what got eaten. End of discussion. <laughs> They better not eat their sweet baby foundlings. After yeah, all they that called them foundlings. Yeah. They called them foundlings. You cannot tell me they ate them. No, okay. these are little babies. <laughs> they got to keep their little babies safe. So then we have Grief bringing Mando a very nice bottle of booze to welcome him back. Thank you so mm -hmm. much. Grief brings Mando back to his office and they're met by an Anzellan driving IG-11's body like a car <laughs> and yes. says that He's been renamed IG-12. Because let's be fair, this is not IG-11 anymore. <laughs> He's basically a present for Grogu. Kind of like when you get your kids one of those like miniature motorized cars that they can drive around. <laughs> I always wanted one of those when I was a kid. And my parents were like, you're too young, you're too young. And then, oh, lo and behold, when I was old enough, I was too big. Way yeah. too big. Yeah, yeah. which Word. accounts for the fact that my my brother, my niece and nephew have like three of them at this point. They oh. have a Batmobile, they have a Mercedes, and I think they have a freaking Mustang. Oh my god. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I think Grogu got like the BMW of all IG models because this one comes with buttons that he can speak through. Yes. He can say yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. I love it so much. He repeatedly tells Din... No, mostly. Or yes, as they walk around the Navarro market, which is hysterical. Din looks like every single harried parent that you have ever seen. With his now overgrown son in his vehicle. Grogu tries to steal food and then basically makes Din pay for everything. Amazing. <laughs> he either eats or destroys. <laughs> I love that it, little gremlin. It. I love he that little gremlin so such a much. a little shit in this and it's fantastic <laughs> i mean the first time he's got real freedom 
So the following day, Bo leads them to Mandalore, and the two groups finally get to see what happened to Mandalore's surface. And it is rough. Some of them talk about being there while others weren't. So it was uh, was eye-opening for some of them. They plan to find the forge and scout the area before bringing anyone down from the main fleet. A large landship moves towards them, and it's filled with Mandalorians. They're remnant of the Night Owls who remained on Mandalore during the Purge. Bo is forced to explain that she did surrender to Gideon Mm. in the hopes of saving her people. Uh, Unfortunately, once Gideon had the Darksaber, he bombed the planet, destroyed ships that tried to flee, just completely went back on his word like a disgusting douchebag. And this is after the Night of a Thousand Tears, after they surrendered. Like, he's a monster. Yeah. War crimes. (laughs) Yeah. He loves them. Bo manages to keep everyone together by saying that Mandalorians together are too strong for anyone to defeat. It's always their own internal struggles that destroy them. And she is right. Yep. In private, Den comes up and acknowledges his loyalty to Bo. He believes that she should be the one to unite their people, though Bo is still skeptical. She thinks the Darksaber is the only thing that you can unify them, but Den says, hey, that's kind of a load of crap. We follow you because of your loyalty, your leadership like who you are you're like we've seen who you are like we follow you for that mm-hmm. yeah. so nice shiny sword <laughs> half expected him to call her a queen <gasps> and bend the knee oh uh, if only he'd bend the knee i don't think mandos are very big on bending the knee. <laughs> no they're not <laughs> but i mean he did he said some very nice words he did Din can be very eloquent when he wants to be the Mandalorians continued their search for the Great Forge. The armorer says, hey, we found these new Mandos. Let me take the ones that are seriously injured, like, up to the fleet. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have medical supplies there. Yeah. Axe and Pav, Paz Vizsla, get into a little bit of, like, a a bro-off about a game of checkers. Wild <laughs> but, shit. And mm. Bo is standing there, like, no, we can't interfere. This is how Mandos do things. Yeah, they're measuring their dicks. We, this, we, we knew them. this. We knew this would happen. Let's just let it happen. And then Grogu intervenes, so <laughs> pushes push them apart, so nice. just like slamming the no button, and mm-hmm. it's so yeah. freaking adorable. <laughs> you can't say no to the baby. No, no. <laughs> And it kind of diffuses the situation. and But then their ship is attacked by a large dino monster. Not mm. a mythosaur. Not a mythosaur. Yes. No. This not is a, a land dino. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is not a seafaring dino. <laughs> and then the Mandalorians are kind of forced to retreat underground. Mm-hmm. They do find the remains of the forge, but they are ambushed by Imperial Armored Commandos. Armored in Beskar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, as the Mandalorians gain the upper hand in the fight, the Imperials actually do start to flee. This should not be alarming in any way. <laughs> no, yeah. this is not too easy at no. all. <laughs> so, mm, unfortunately, as the Mandos pursue these Imperial troops, a trap is sprung very effectively. Moff mm-hmm. Gideon arrives very Vader-esque drama king action in his own Beskar Dark Trooper armor, followed by even more of these Beskar-clad troopers in jetpacks. They restrain Din and take him away as Gideon monologues to the Romanian Manos and asks Bo for the Darksaber back. Basically, he's a real dick about it, you guys. <laughs> We've got to stop meeting like this. I Ugh. wanted to punch him in the face so bad. I love oh, Giancarlo man. Esposito. Mm-hmm. He was he's, perfect. 
Yeah, this so scene good. is why you hire him. Yes, exactly. He's just oh god, he's amazing. Uh, but he's still a piece of shit because he orders his bombers and ties to attack the Mando fleet in orbit. Bo uses the dark saber to cut a hole in the blast doors to escape, and Paz covers them. Bo calls for him to leave too, but he stays behind and closes the blast door to make sure that everyone gets away. Did not have and to do that. I just, I just gotta not. say it. He did not. He, he did couldn't not. close the door from oh. the other side. Yep. And the door is still. But then closed. they could reopen it. No, because then he would use his giant gun to blast the controls. I mean, it's their base. I feel like they could have gotten it open pretty well. There's <laughs> a lot of them that he takes out. Like he, he has does. to fire so much that his gun overheats, and that doesn't stop him. He just detaches it. Again, the it first time this has ever world. happened in Star Wars, just like the jetpacks running out of fuel. This is the first <laughs> yeah. time this has ever actually happened mm-hmm. on screen. Anyone who has ever played a Battlefront game is like, <laughs> oh, I understand. I know what's happening here. Um, so Blaster overheats, throws it into another Imperial. He takes down all of the Imperial Beskar commandos, mm-hmm. and it looks like maybe he can get away even though his jetpack is busted, but then they didn't call him in for nothing. The Praetorian Guards <laughs> arrive, and they cut him down. He yeah. fights bravely, but they leave him to die. Yeah, he's and he too tired is, at this point. Yeah, he he put up a hell of a fight. I honestly think that he did need to do that sacrifice because if he didn't hold them off, that's a lot of those Imperials that could have gone after them. Like that he, gave he them time to get away. Yeah, he died as he lived, <laughs> full of piss and <laughs> this vinegar. Is the way. This is the way. This is the way. It was. It was very emotional, even though we're not very attached to Paz. Imagine poor little Ragnar when he finds out that his yeah. dad died, even if he died bravely. Like, let the kid take off the helmet and see if the actor can cry. <laughs> Give it to us. We want to see it. Okay, so next we're going to head into our reactions and favorite moments from this episode. I really enjoyed it, mainly because of the cold open and every scene with Giancarlo yeah. Esposito. He is fantastic. No notes. One of the best (laughs) villainous actors of all time. Besides Mm -hmm. that, the episode, I think, did a really great job showing the tension between our little Mandalorian factions. Like, a checkers game sets up a crisis. Of course it did. That is so Mandalorian. (laughs) Like, Mandalorians, they ruined Mandalore. (laughs) I mean, look, I I got that fight. I understood. I mean, it was a very macho we're showing our muscles kind of fight. <laughs> you called me a primitive over the rules. I am ready to pull a knife out over that. Let's go. Yeah, for real. The viral I mean, to be fair, out. the armor seems to be making up some of the rules as she goes along. Oh and, yeah, for real. <laughs> with her cult. She's, so she's much better at rolling with her changes though, because Pa's <laughs> trying to like throw in these random rules and checkers. That's not gonna work. <laughs> um, I also really appreciate Katie Sackoff. I think she's selling the hell out of her role here. She's so often with Din who can't show his face. So she really has to carry these scenes. Like whoever is in the suit, whether it's Pedro Pascal or one of the other guys, you can't see his face. Like body language can show a lot, but it cannot show as much emotion as the face. And mm-hmm. Katie is just doing fantastic here. I love it. Din's loyalty. So awesome to see. He's such a good, like little follower. He really believes in Bo and he just props her up. He's like, 
not bending the knee, but basically for a Mandalorian bending the knee. And it's just so sweet. Like he's come a yeah. long way. Yeah. He's, he's like, like her I general. Finally found a real leader because he he's not following the armor anymore. Like let's be real. Yeah. No, I have questions about that though. I he hmm. I think he kind of is he going to get divided? Is, like, yeah, I would like to see if he's going to be divided in that way because it would make sense for him to kind of develop this loyalty to Bo after they've had this time together. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen him like struggle with what came before and what he was raised on. Right. There hasn't been a clash of ideologies yet. Right. I think that's kind of... Daniel, how about you? How did you feel about this episode? Uh, I thought this was a great way to set up the tension for the finale. Um I mean, it was it was really good. We got some amazing Mandalorian action. We got to look into the Imperial Remnant factions that behind the scenes Shadow Council. I love the Remnant. So cool. <laughs> Not gonna lie, the Remnant so stuff cool. is always fun because they're oh, such yeah. assholes. <laughs> they're absolutely assholes. I love the pettiness between them. Except Pelion. Um, Pelion is he's always a cool dude, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know he's supposed to be like a villain, but he really. Thrawn is more villainous outwardly than Pelion. Pelion's just what, an old what was guy. That Thrawn Thrawn is just, I said more villainous than. <laughs> I didn't say outward villain. <laughs> Pelion, for real though, he's not a villain in like any way, shape, or form. He wants yeah. to get shit done. He wants to protect people. And even here, you're like he. You can tell he hates these people. <laughs> I'm sorry, are... but if you're participating in something called the Shadow Council, I don't think you're that good of a person. He might know that it's called might not know that it's called that though either. Because he was gone when it was formed. So we don't even know like if they're calling themselves that. Yeah. Or he's no, like, they do I'm call just waiting for Thrawn. Yeah. Like, they say it in the scene. Did they? Okay. Yeah. yeah. They do. Yeah. I was screaming so. too hard, guys. I saw the mustache <laughs> and I knew it was Belly. <laughs> I mean okay. a one-to-one adaptation, basically. That's amazing. Um yeah, I just thought they did really well. Like they played into the tension of that opening scene really well, where you never knew like when are the Imperials gonna pop up. And we kind of expected them from above the whole time. And then slowly realizing they were coming from below. That was a that was a great way to do all that. I just yeah, I'm so excited for the finale. Well done. Yeah, I think that this it, all of the kind of issues we had with last week's um my primary one being kind of the balance of elements that was mm-hmm. all perfect in this episode it did such a great job it had just a, it just the right amount of humor just the right amount of grogu who's kind of been taking a back seat a lot we got a lot of really good din we got a, re- a lot of really good bow we got action we got plot threads coming together everything was just written and presented to us really really well here and i am so excited for next week for this week for the finale i know it's this week like what this week what yes (laughs) i'm so excited my friend does not watch mando until it's all out and then she binges the whole thing i'm very excited to see what she says as a binger versus us who watch it like piece by piece because I'm yeah. guessing her ideas of it are going to be a lot different from ours. Um, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for the new finale. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're not going to see Thrawn. Like, we're, we're just not. But I'm excited to see where they're going to take us. Like, torture chamber time. Are we going to see Pedro Pascal's face? Here we go. We Yes, we will. 
I'm yeah. really hoping so. Give us give us Pedro space. We really deserve it. Uh, favorite moments from the episode. I'm not going to lie. My favorite part was the cold open. It's not even close. I am a legend's head. I love Pelion. I love Thrawn. I love anything that has to do with like the Imperial remnants coming together and arguing like a bunch of petty bitches. <laughs> it's just so great. They're all chewing the scenery like crazy, except Pelion. He's just like the old granddad. He's like, you guys, you know, we should settle down with the hit and runs. It's not really a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. We already talked about the weapon overheating. That happens a lot in the Legends novels, too. And like battery packs running out for the blasters. It's not like everlasting. The only thing that really is is lightsaber. <laughs> so yeah. You're not gonna get that. I like having Paz have to deal with this. He's had to deal with his jetpack and his gun. Mm-hmm. Well now he doesn't have Everybody. to deal with anything. No consequences, baby. <laughs> Daniel, oh, how about for you? Uh I mean my favorite single shot of the episode has to be the fleet appearing over Mandalore, because that was just Oh, chef's kiss. Beautiful. Well done. Uh, Favorite sequence has to be the Mandalorians versus the Beskar troopers uh, when they're in the forge area. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a really good job. You know, the Mandalorians at first trying to fight them like they would any normal enemy, realizing they're wearing Beskar. And then you see the Mandalorians, after being surprised for a second, switch it up and start really effectively taking them down. And you can see through that, oh, these Mandalorians, they're used to fighting people with Beskar. They've killed a lot of each other. They know what to do. Like, yeah, let me just get in between the armor plates. Let me just do a little gun foo here. And <laughs> I mean, it leads yes. to some amazing <laughs> shots. It was just a really fun fight. Yeah. Especially like the Night Owls. Bo and the Night right. Owls are definitely going to know how to do this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were actually fighting well, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I think my favorite my favorite piece of this episode has got to be Grogu in the IG suit. Now, granted, he is like in the corpse of his babysitter, but <laughs> IG so would have been fine with it. Like, let's it's let's, so yeah, metal. I, it's, <laughs> it's just you have to just kind of like accept that droids are quite literally built differently and have yes. different things than people are. So it's just we we take it, but it's just so cool because it makes him so much more mobile. It allows him to be within the action a lot more, and the the buttons just the yes no not only is it hysterical but all of his moments with din and mm -hmm. just being frustrated dad and the kid just like yeah. no 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 yeah. no 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 <laughs> but also like that scene where he first gets in there and din's like he's too young no no, no. sounds like sounds like he thinks he's he, he's up for it yes it also gives us much more insight into grogu's mind and actually his level of maturity like he's yeah. pretty non-verbal yeah. but just like too yeah just like when ahsoka <laughs> was able to kind of connect with him and you actually it reminds us that he is more mature Person. mentally than we yes. yeah than we tend to remember right. and allows him it's, to just yeah. engage in the scene more his species might not be able to speak that quickly yeah we don't know mm -hmm. and then so we have that i know there was some, i know some people have had some questions about like why he didn't use the force in the battle and I'm sure that there's plenty of you can work yourself into circles expl explaining it. And my just general theory is, I mean, Jedi use the Force when it's convenient for the plot of the scene. Yeah. <laughs> I've yes. always wondered why they don't why they don't just do like a single Force push and yes. take out an entire droid army. Right. They never do. <laughs> no. I mean, plus he has his shiny new power loader. 
He needs a button that says, get away from him, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he wants to play with his new toy. He's focused on that. He's not focused on the force right now. I wonder if that toy has like has like some blasters that he can control with the arms. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Don't give the baby a gun. <laughs> I mean He's fifty two. We're not in space I mean, for him right now. Give him a gun. <laughs> Says the guy gun. from Florida. <laughs> as the as the guy living in Florida, yes, give the baby a gun. Give the fifty two year old baby in an exosuit a gun. I'm so serious. <laughs> He already has space magic. Why not give him a gun? What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> On that a whole note. lot. A whole lot. After, we, note. after we finish recording this, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on Google and I'm just gonna search Florida man space baby with a gun and see if I get a headline. Oh, you probably will. Oh man, neighborhood podcaster. <laughs> says baby should have guns. No, not babies. Just one baby. Yeah, no, just one baby. Just one baby. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, movie con. We are going to get into the many, many, many Easter eggs, connections, callbacks, and homages throughout this episode. So, Daniel, what about that opening? Oh, amazing. We get a probe droid sighting. Elia Kane is contacting Moff Gideon using a probe droid. Uh, you think they'd be decommissioned? But at the same time, you know, it's a big planet. You can hide some stuff in Coruscant pretty easily. I Those probe droids are dangerous, and they can be used to uh, to communicate with active Imperials. They probably should have been all decommissioned, but well done, Empire, for keeping them around. Mm-hmm. And that was whole... terrifying. It was yeah. absolutely terrifying. And that whole kind of opening, that cyberpunk, the neon lights, the rain running through the streets very very blade blade runner and it had that very oh, yeah. grungy futuristic vibe mm-hmm. oh yeah kind of giving off a rick deckard vibe oh with the, the coat thing. and everything it was amazing coat everything the i i loved i loved the signs in the rain everything it about it so cool perfect like this is the dystopian future that we are looking for <laughs> in our star wars i'm gonna yes. have to rewatch blade runner i love that movie oh Blade Runner and the sequel are both. Yeah, twenty forty nine is really good. So so good. Eh. <laughs> I loved. I'm doing the so so on, on those. <laughs> we will talk it. about that later because I have. <laughs> Daniel, a lot we can talk about that. Daniel, we can talk about that when you've seen like a movie. <laughs> Excuse me, I've seen Blade Runner. What do you want from me? Also, I'm staring at Megan D, uh, the Blu-ray of Megan, and I Ooh. will be watching that this week. Excellent choice. Cannot wait. <laughs> that one was pretty good. You know who else can't wait? The Imperial Shadow Council. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually began in the novels, the canon novels. This is a secret advisory council created by this really douchey guy called Gallius Rex in the mm-hmm. Aftermath trilogy. Rex had planned on killing all of them, all of his initial Shadow Council. A few of them did survive the Battle of Jakku, which happened shortly after the Emperor's defeat in Return of the Jedi. The group reformed years later, and that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, Rex would have left Brendel Hux alive, he says that in the books, because Hux was essential to the new empire that would be forming. We don't know who the other six warlords are from today's episode, but I'm sure we'll find out. They're just, we know who Hux is, we know Pallion, and we know Gideon. But we have yet to figure out 
who the others are, including that really smarmy looking, like kind of chunky guy. Mm -hmm. He looked like he was having a real good time in that. He looked like he was, he looked like he was exactly what Cassie and Andor was describing in, in the Andor episodes when he's like, these fat fucks are too lazy and satisfied bastards and satisfied bastards to notice me walking into their facilities and just stealing shit from under their noses. Mm -hmm. It looks like he was kind of aligned with Gideon too. Like the kind of body language, facial language (laughs) they were giving each other. It seems like they're connected. Self-serving douchebags. Someone who Colleen is claiming right now, not to be a self-serving douchebag. We'll see. Uh, we've got Captain Gilad Pelion. So he was created by author Timothy Zahn for the Heir to the Empire trilogy, which is now Legends. So he's in a lot of Legends novels, leading the Imperial Remnant who mostly kept to themselves. He was brought into canon in Rebels. Uh, I guess he had a minor speaking role in the uh, in the finale, which I did not know about. And then he was in Thrawn Treason, where when Thrawn mentions him being completely loyal. Uh, in Legends, he's a sensible man who could be reasoned with, so we'll see yeah. if that continues uh, in in canon now. He has yeah. a pretty good relationship with the New Republic. He mostly is just like, ugh, these fuckers again. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to have to deal with them. We're just over in our little patch of space doing our own thing. <laughs> yeah, he was the guy in the Rebels finale. He just kind of comes on. Uh, you, it's, it's just a voice cameo. Yeah. And like Thrawn's like... Yeah. What are you doing? And he's just like, they, they came out of nowhere. I don't yeah. know what's going on. We're being destroyed by space whales. Yeah. The whales are coming. The whales are coming. Helion's seen some shit then. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's seen some shit. Yep. And he's seen some shit. And he's just waiting for his boss to come back. This is our next mention of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Helion is talking about him because he will be the biggest part of the Empire's eventual comeback tour. Yes. Unfortunately, the headliner is just not showing up he's being a drama queen in the dressing room we don't know and everyone else looks kind of skeptical but this is yet another mention of Thrawn we will talk about him more I'm sure when we get to our Star Wars celebration news (laughs) and what's coming next I have a lot to say (laughs) Thrawn celebration news Um, also a lot to say about this dick Brendel Hawks what a fucking piece of shit human being this is a curse warning because holy shit Brendel Hawks fucking sucks He's played here by Brian Gleason, who is actually the brother of Domhnall Gleason, who plays Armitage Hux in the sequel trilogy. This guy, he has a long Star Wars history. He was a junior officer in the Grand Army of the Republic. So he's been around since Clone Wars. He was then made commandant of Arcanus Academy that specialized in training Imperial officers. He was almost killed during the siege of Arcanus, but was rescued and appointed a member of the Shadow Council. He's responsible for recruiting Captain Phasma to the First Order. This is like one of his very loyal dogs, basically. He has a lot of very loyal children that follow him around. Groomer. This is what a groomer looks like, folks. This douchebag. Of course, though, he's eventually betrayed by her and his son, who is a legitimate son, who he was a real dick to, even though they look identical. (laughs) This is fine. Ray Sloan is basically like, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Ray Sloan knows that. She sees baby Hux and is like, can you like get the kids to not kill me (laughs) (laughs) while we're in the unknown regions? Lots of crazy stuff happening in the novels with this, like the Phasma novel, the Aftermath novels. If you're interested in knowing about Brendel Hux, check those books out. 
Yeah. What's he so, into, Daniel? <laughs> Hux is working on Project Necromancer. Uh, so we think that is the plan to bring back Palpy. That sounds kind of in line. Uh, Gideon was doing his own cloning thing, so the Imperials are not on the same page there. Thrawn would probably not approve of this plan either. It's a bit too grandiose with a little, with very little chance of success. Yeah. Rebuilding the naval fleet would probably be his priority. Uh, although in Legends, apparently Thrawn did have a clone of himself made, so you never know. But, I mean, his clone is probably not nearly as complicated as a force-wielding one. No. No. Exactly. So <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Next up, a uh, an Easter egg that is conspicuous by its, by her absence. Mm-hmm. Where is Grand Admiral Ray Sloan? So, in the Aftermath novels, she is a member of the Shadow Council, mm-hmm. uh, but then she is betrayed by Gallius Rex, uh, and she manages to take a small contingent the absolute last remnant uh, we think of the imperial fleet into a previously mapped out area of the unknown regions to kind of rebuild the empire slash build the first order she takes brendel hux with her so he is in theory with ray sloan and so why where is she and why is hux talking to this shadow council in this may on mandalore so one theory could be she's still out there in the unknown regions kind of waiting for thrawn's arrival which maybe will give her the okay there's a lot going on here i I have some questions about this we'll talk about it in a little bit Mm -hmm. like is hux a spy within this group sending her back sending her information Uh, i don't know (laughs) that would be very convoluted for the tv show (laughs) biggest thing here where is she where is she this powerful LGBTQ2 character, nowhere in sight. Plus, she's a woman of color. Please give her to us. She's in the video games also. Daniel, did you play the Fighter Squadron video game? Uh, I did not because I was shit at the controls. Uh, but <laughs> I know you that didn't she was a video game with, with fighter pilots and, and, and spaceships. Look, the controls are a <laughs> lot different than a lot of other fighter pilot games. Uh, I tried. Cool. It is. it's a lot because you are forced to stay in the cockpit and it's Mm -hmm. strange um but i know she's involved in that and she's also involved a bit in the battlefront 2 uh campaign which involves operation sender so yeah raceland's an interesting character i would really like to see her brought into live action same (laughs) give her to us you cowards you know who they weren't cowards to give us the praetorian guards (laughs) (laughs) these guys are kind of like the imperial royal guard who protected palpy in the original trilogy but the praetorians were created to protect supreme leader snoke great job guys great great job they're highly (laughs) trained personal bodyguards so gideon requesting them is pretty much a big ask this is like hmm you gonna get assassinated or is that what you're afraid of Basically, yes. They specialized in several forms of martial arts, but were unable to defeat Kylo Ren and Rey in The Last Jedi. So these are these red-robed figures who are very good. Like, they're very able fighters. Yeah. But fighting against two Force users, I think, was too much for them. Mm -hmm. It looks so sick, though. And I swear, if we get a name drop of Achani martial arts, (laughs) I will scream. More Thrawn hints this episode with the Mythosaur painted on the underside of the Mando's Imperial ship. Thrawn's ship, the Chimera, had his sigil painted on it as well. So nice little uh, wink towards him. 
Yeah, he's coming. Oh, Lord, he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And who else came back, guys? We had that <laughs> little Inzellian who brings the shiny new IG-12 yes. droid body to Grogu. And Grogu immediately goes up to him. And the Inzellian gives him the exact same response he did when, when Grogu tried to squeeze him before. Ah, baby! <laughs> oh, no! Get does away not from want me. to do it. Bad baby, no squeezy. <laughs> Bad baby, Stop no it. squeezy. And then... <laughs> Grogu gets in there and he immediately starts pressing that button. Yes, 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 yes. He wants to have the hugs. And yep. that voice box in IG-12, that's not just a random voice. Those yes no's are in fact still voiced by Taika Waititi, who played IG-11. Yes. I yes. love it. He just stops yes. by. <laughs> he just calls he it a voicemail. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, it won't take long, we promise. <laughs> this is great. You know what else is great? The Melu run spotting Grogu, mm-hmm. who's riding in his new IG Mech suit, decides to stop by a street vendor in Navarro and get a little snack. He takes a plate of something like gooey. It looked like fried gooeyness. It looked good. I mean, he's gonna eat it. Mm-hmm. He, but then he tries to get a Melu run fruit. Also, he squishes it <laughs> before it's he can eat it because Din's trying to take it back from him. Melu runs are, of course, Harrison Dula's favorite fruit in Rebels and can be seen throughout Star Wars. I really want to try one. Me too. Looks like dragon fruit. I'm here for it. Oh, I would love to try one. And then, oh, that cool tank ship. It kind of (laughs) felt like a mix of Rex's retirement tank from Rebels and like a Mad Max kind of vehicle, like a a land pirate ship. Uh, So that's what those remaining night owls used to get around on Mandalore in this, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in this post-apocalyptic wasteland, basically. Mm-hmm. Their leader is played by Charles Parnell. Uh, you might remember him as Warlock from Top Gun Maverick, but he has been a TV mainstay since the early 2000s. Uh, I looked at his IMDb, IMDb page and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I, no wonder you looked familiar. <laughs> you have yeah. been around. He is a that guy. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Good for him. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have Bo's kind of very emotional speech about what happened after the Night of a Thousand Years and what led to the purge. So she tells her story of surrender to Gideon, to all the Mandalorians assembled at that table. Uh, after the Night of a Thousand Years, she went to Gideon and gave up the Darksaber. And then, of course, he betrayed her surrender and carried out the purge, destroying the rest of the planet. Uh, we still don't know. Yeah. If like okay. other planets in the system were quite eradicated, if I mean we don't really know what happened to Concordia with the right. cult that was there. Also, this clarifies for us something I'd been kind of wondering for a little while now with the difference between the Night of a Thousand Tears and the Purge itself. Mm-hmm. They kind of were talking would use them interchangeably, but this actually makes them separate events, separated by a very distinct action on Bo's part. Yeah, I think the Night of a Thousand Tears, most of their military forces were killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the people all died during the purge. It's Mandalore. The people are the military. Uh, it was rough, rough <laughs> stuff happening in Sundari. <laughs> oh, man. That's okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. You know who else was eradicated? Death Watch. <laughs> uh-huh. According to the armor, they are officially no more. She says that they were disbanded due to them being part of the reason that Mandalorians were torn apart. Sure, we totally believe you, Armorer. Totally. Mm. Absolutely. You might not call yourselves Death Watch anymore, but you are called the Children of the Watch. Yeah, it kind of feels like your spiritual successors. 
exactly. So still, I'm kind of like, mm, wording is very important. It was a rebranding. It was a yeah. rebranding, yes. <laughs> we are no longer going to tear everyone apart. Yeah, the PR firm was definitely hired in the creation of this name. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Bo's talk of uniting is in contrast with her past. Bo has come a long way since she was pre Vissel's lieutenant in the Clone Wars. She was a member of Death Watch back then, so she was against her own sister Duchess Satine's pacifist views, mm -hmm. and she herself helped drive Mandalore apart. Uh, she was a terrorist. She was mm -hmm. wanted by the Mandalorians. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, she was wanted by the security forces. She wanted to bring them into their old warlike selves. Mm -hmm. She was going to do anything she could to get it. Uh, she really was a huge reason why they are splintered up today. And now she has grown to appreciate that Mandalorians are strongest when they're together. She has really flipped from who she used to be. Yeah. And she realized no one could defeat them. It was their internal struggles that brought them down. And she is really determined to stop that. Yep. And mm -hmm. I hope you can do it, Bo. <laughs> Maul wouldn't have been in there, man. Let's face it. Yeah. Maul would yeah. not have been in there if it weren't for Death Watch and Previsal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and but there are some people who are going to try and take down the Mandalorians, and those are these super commandos. Mm -hmm. So first scene when Maul took over as the rule of Mandalore, and he killed Pre Vizsla in a duel, thereby taking the dark saber from him. The mm -hmm. super commandos were originally Mandalorians. They were called Imperial Super Commandos during the Imperial era when Clan Saxon ruled Mandalore under the Empire. Those we dicks. Don't know if any of Gideon's forces are left over from that time. Uh, these are some of the people we saw them in, um, like Fen Rao in mm -hmm. Rebels um, was leading a faction of these, and then he got himself captured. So where is Fen Rao? Yeah, where is <laughs> Fen Rao? What's up with our boy? We don't know. We need he would have been where great our ginger to see. baby is. <laughs> anyway, we don't know if any of Gideon's forces are left over from that, but so some of them could actually have originally been Mandalorians, or some of them are probably these kind of like clone hybrid things that Gideon's talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, either way their armor is made of Beskar so they are much tougher to take down whether that Beskar is as tough as normal Beskar remains to be seen mm -hmm. uh, Gideon of course has his own super commando suit with those telltale maul horns on the helmet that match another mm. character's mm. <laughs> <Yep>. mm. <laughs> interesting <laughs> yes intriguing very very intriguing who else has horns on their helmet yes <laughs> mm. Okay, next we have those really creepy cloning tanks. Gideon walks by these things on his way to the galaxy's most treasonous Zoom chat. He's <laughs> still into this cloning thing, though, whether he wants to admit it or not. He's like, no, no. Brendel hugs, that's your obsession, not mine. Mm, sir. As I walked past cloning tanks on the way to this call. Everything's fine. They weren't on the Zoom. It's good. <laughs> We get to see Ray Shields on his walk to that uh, mm -hmm. conference, and that is really cool. That is a cool walk. It was really it, cool. It was really cool. <laughs> perfect villain walk. Mm -hmm. And those multiple red Ray Shields deactivating looks a, a lot like the fight between Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. So a little more wink nods connections towards Maul right there. Who knows? Yikes. <laughs> As in not true leaders of Mandalore. All these people with the horns. Mm -hmm. Douchebags. <laughs> all right. Moving on to some other discussion points we have for this episode. So the episode is called The Spies. 
So who are the titular spies? I mean, of course, we have Aliyah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Anytime we see Hux show, showing up, anytime there's a Hux, he could be a spy. You know, Always. Rise of Skywalker. Hux is the yeah. spy. Yeah. One part of Rise of Skywalker I did like. <laughs> <laughs> I did but enjoy who that. else? So we have kind of three main candidates here, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Number one would be the armorer. Because Colleen, I know you straight up still do not trust her <laughs> at all. Not right? even a little bit. <laughs> I don't either, but I also like find myself being like, maybe she is actually just like trying to do things. Maybe she is just trying to like do things for the good of her people. But I just think about everything that she's, every time we see her, there's always a bit of sinister energy about her. Yeah, I mean, she's the only survivor supposedly of the Navarro kind of massacre of yes. all of all the Paz. yeah Paz is gone now Paz is the only one she just kind of throws she seemingly just kind of throws Din away when she's like bitch you took off your helmet yeah. as you go ahead fight him for the Darksaber try and kill him tells him to go to Mandalore to bathe tells him his only chance of redemption is to go to Mandalore in the living waters oh but you can't because it's toxic mm. <laughs> and then she has to like deal with what happens when he comes back all of a sudden, she's okay with Bo taking off her helmet. Yeah. She pieces out of that fight. She pieces out before the fight. She takes these wounded ones up. To, I really expected her to kind of like break the cloud and the fleet would be in like tatters. I was waiting yeah. for that shot. Mm-hmm. Not yet. She's a fake out. I really think she's a fake out. Just like they were faking us out with her coming up to the the fleet and the tension right there where you thought it was going to be in tatters. I think the armor is a fake out for this whole thing. I, I do not believe she is as bad as we think she is. I, I think they really want us to believe that. And maybe at one point she was. I would not be surprised if she's someone like Rook Cast, who used to be. I mean, not necessarily that she has to be Rook, but I wouldn't be surprised if she was former Death Watch, former Maul supporter, mm-hmm. who is also going through her own realization of, oh, we need to be together if we are going to survive. I I wonder if she maybe is going through the same realization that Bo-Katan is, and maybe she's coming to realize that, hey, my strict interpretation is getting people killed is not working. I, I There's a part of me that believes the armor actually truly does care for Mandalorians, and, and it isn't a self-serving thing. Until they show me that she has proven to be the the spy, I'm holding out hope for her. I think that that would be a really really cool thing to explore, and I I like part of me really wants you to be right on that, Daniel. Yeah. Call me a product of of my upbringing and a show that has trained a franchise that has trained me in how to watch it. I don't trust anyone with horns. I don't trust right. a cult leader either. <laughs> I, Let the children I don't take trust off a cult leader. Helmets. Yeah, don't trust a cult leader. As soon as she tells the children and everyone really in her cult that they can take off their masks and do what they want to do, I will trust her again. <laughs> yeah. You know who does take off his mask though? And it's another another big candidate for the spy. We have Axe Wolves, mm-hmm. who is real salty yeah. that he lost a bow. Who also, again, Katie Sackhoff said that there was a story reason he wasn't involved in the raid at the end of season two, which got them that light cruiser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's you could tell he's not super happy with this whole alliance with the children of the watch. He mm-hmm. also pieces out 
of this fight again where exactly he's going i don't know he's like i can try exactly. and get up to the fleet but then the, he doesn't have a ship i don't know exactly. if he thinks he has enough fuel in his jetpack and to make it up, or if he can just at least get to a point to co- to communicate with them, mm. we don't know. But I, I think he would him. be. He also, I mean, he was willing to be a mercenary just last episode. He's like everyone's honorable for a few credits. Yes. So Uh-oh. it would not surprise me if he try <laughs> if he struck some deal, mm-hmm. maintain control of this Mandalorian uh, remnant that he has with Gideon, who of course will end up betraying him and slaughtering all of them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then lastly, we have these random Mandalorian survivors who have somehow been living on the surface of this planet and didn't know that there was an Imperial base right there and didn't and weren't discovered by said Imperial base. Suspicious. But did <laughs> I mean, know where the fork was. So they do say several people have gone into the forge and not coming out or not come out or something like that. They've tried to take mm-hmm. refuge. I think they have been scared away from that area, but since they had a large group, they're like, yeah, okay, we can go back now. I I want to believe in them because it really did look like they've been living hard. It's a big planet. They have been like scavenging and moving, they said, uh, mm-hmm. this whole time. And I I kind of believe them because they would have been able to tell if one of these guys had messaged the Imperials. Like it's a it's not that big of a ship like they were all kind of cramped in together like yeah. it, they got themselves killed in the firefight like you could see several of them got murdered uh by imperials that's true it, it, it yeah like they they were part of the fight they were part of the uh you know they 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 were actually helping so i don't think it was them plus they weren't going to be able to like I don't know. It, it just it doesn't feel like if, if they were going to be the spies, it feels like they would have turned on the Mandalorians when they were in, you know, in the clutches of, of everyone. Like when Bo-Katan was trying to cut open the door, I feel like that was the perfect moment where they could have mm-hmm. been like, ha, surprise, we're working with them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I, I want to believe those are just, you know, I wouldn't down imagine, on their luck guys. I wouldn't imagine if it turned out that they were plants from Gideon I like would I would imagine that they were like had been prisoners for the last several years and he's just been like psychologically torturing mm-hmm. and brainwashing them the entire time mm-hmm. and now he has a reason to kind of deploy them and be like hey that's Bo-Katan she's the reason you're here there's <laughs> some absolute dark stuff that I hadn't yeah. or, or that I hadn't thought of and ooh yeah. I don't know if they can wrap all that up in one episode yeah I don't know if they can <laughs> that would be a lot but if this were a book I can totally see that happening Mm-hmm. okay so my question <laughs> was besides plot armor why capture din if you know he doesn't have the dark saber like why did gideon i mean separate him first of all but of course din was the first one to go charging head first into <laughs> an ambush but why keep din alive like why take him to this questioning room what do you guys think I think it could be a couple of things. I think you might know that he is a means of getting your hands on Grogu again. Mm-hmm. If Gideon is determined to do, to move forward with this cloning thing and needs that little test subject with his high M count. Yeah. And you know that he and Din have this strong bond. That would be one reason to have that kind of leverage. You also know that Din and Bo have been working together. Elia tells him in that opening scene that the two of them led... 
that that charge on Navarro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a way be to taking out one of her generals. Yeah, taking having one of her generals, uh, having some leverage over her potentially mm-hmm. again, or just getting information on her. Yeah, I mean, we're also forgetting that Gideon is a petty, petty little <laughs> bitch. Yeah, he is. And <laughs> Din has gotten one over on him two season finales in a row now. Yeah, this his idiot. pride is hurt. <laughs> He's like, okay, I have my fresh new Beskar armor. Fuck you. Look at me now. Uh, I'm gonna take your helmet off. I'm gonna piss you off. And I'm gonna like rub salt in your wounds before I kill you because look at me. I need to massage my ego. Yes. Massage. <laughs> I'd love a massage. I do too. <laughs> Let's all go get massages. Uh, oh God, Anders, I think this last question is this yours. Yes. Yeah, so this all right. So this episode was co-written by Dave Filoni. As one of the creative driving forces behind the show, actually, this is only the fourth episode that he's penned along. Um, so he wrote obviously the Jedi uh, back in season two with Ahsoka because no one else touches touches her but him. Uh, and I think he also, I think it was the Foundling was the other one he did this season. I needed like one episode in season one. So. My question here, and this kind of gets back to my worry from last week. Uh, Colleen, if you remember, I was worried that we were going to kind of yada yada over the whole, like, did we know that the Imperials were here or not? I was so happy to be proven wrong with that this week. So I'm I'm yes. on record. I was proven wrong. I was glad it worked out so well. So going going back to Hux and Grand Admiral Sloan, our knowledge from the books and some of the comics and video games, the the kind of established canon that we had pieced together from disparate mm-hmm. sources at this point. Sloan, Gallius Rex effectively meant for the Empire to completely die. Yeah. And then, to, but he had been kind of mapping out the unknown regions uh, at the Emperor's bequest. And then Sloan, after taking him out, kind of carries out that second part of the plan, right? She takes the fleet escapes to the unknown reason, takes mm-hmm. Hux with her. Mm-hmm. While they're out there, she kind of becomes the first lead, the first supreme leader. Hux uh, finds and recruits Phasma and some of her people. Great, great details on that. If you read the Phasma novel, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's training the child soldiers. So that's all I happening. That's all happening. Mm-hmm. But here he, we have Hux. In the Shadow Council, seemingly connected to what's going on in the main part of the galaxy. My question is kind of like, we have all these different plans, and it's really just not clear of kind of who's involved in what at what point. Mm-hmm. And if Hux is running Project Necromancer, supposedly, which if we take at its most likely candidate, that's the cloning project to resurrect Palpatine, which is taking place on Exegol. Now, in the unknown regions. <laughs> out in the unknown regions. Now, based on what we know, it seems that people in the First Order didn't really know about that. Right. Like we had the the main source we have of that is um Richard E. Grant's reveal in Rise of Skywalker. Because yeah. he kind of like comes out, he's like, haha, I was actually secretly part of this other thing this whole time. Right. 
which and seems so, to be Project Necromancer. Which yeah, yeah, which would be Project Necromancer. So why are we kind of here with that? And why would Hux be involved in that if he's part of if he thinks he's part of the first order? And I mean Palpy always had plans on plans on plans. Right. So maybe Hux does too. So is there <laughs> is there a good explanation to kind of connect all these threads together? My worry here, mm. and again, this is a worry that I'll be super I'll be super happy to be proven wrong. But we have evidence in the past of Dave Filoni kind of fudging with other established canon to suit his mm-hmm. own needs. Mm-hmm. So the one of the main examples would be those four last episodes of the Clone Wars. A lot mm-hmm. of people were confused by the color of Ahsoka's sabers, because in the Ahsoka novel, she refers to them as her her green sabers. She talks about burying them, talks about this like gravesite. And Dave yeah. Filoni was kind of like, I mean, we fudged with it a little bit. We're not going to sweat the small details like that. Like, it's fine. And mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think we on this pod were kind of like, we get it. It's like some small details like that. And then we got Tales of the Jedi, which basically took the events of Ahsoka's novel and condensed, changed, replaced characters and did all this sort of stuff to condense yeah. down into a thing. And the the sense that we got from Filoni when he, people questioned him about that, like, why did you mess with the events of a canon novel like that? He kind of said, I didn't write that book, therefore I'm not beholden to it. Right. Which is... Mm. <laughs> which is like yeah. kind of fair kind of not like we said i remember we talked about on that pod that like lucasfilm has a straight up story group whose job is to keep all this shit straight yeah exactly and, and, their job. What, and yes dave filoni has done incredible storytelling mm-hmm. he has done absolutely amazing things for this franchise but does that give him carte blanche to mess with that and so i'm a little worried that he's just like eh, i thought hux was cool so i'm gonna stick him here i'm not beholden to what's been established in these other books yeah, I, I think which is alarming. That I don't. Like. I know. I think that I though, wouldn't like. That we're and I really, I really hope I'm wrong ourselves. on that. Yeah. I. The only reason I think we're too ahead of ourselves is because we know that this is all going to build up. You know, jumping ahead to what we're going to talk about later on, we know this is building up towards a movie mm-hmm. at some point, crossing over between Mandalorian, uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka, skeleton, skeleton crew. crew. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All this. So I I think that we can stitch this all together. We still have a lot of TV to go. We have mm-hmm. this movie to go. It, it the movie's not going to happen for like 6 or 7 years. I I feel like they have plenty of time to stitch this all together and show us how this is all percolating. Mm-hmm. I I I feel like there is a way to make this work where just because the emperor told people what to do that doesn't mean they did it the way it was supposed to. Like things were supposed to go the way Gallius Rex was told. They didn't go that way. Mm-hmm. Other people are doing their own things. You've got people like um like Gideon who's doing his own plans. So it is it makes sense that things might be a little bit messy and like some people have their hands in different pots. Um, you know, totally the fair. older crew, yeah. yeah, the older crew understand what's going on with things like Project Necromancer and all that because they are OGs while Younger people, like the younger Hawks, don't really know what's going on because they're just first order lackeys who are here to keep things moving along until the final order can come. Right. So, I I feel like as much as I got annoyed by Rise of Skywalker, the things they're putting in place now are making things make sense, 
And I feel like given enough time, it, it feels like they are taking the stuff from the books and bringing it to screen. And I hope that they keep Sloane in there because she's a really interesting character and having her potentially be a foil for um, for Thrawn Ray. when he comes back or something like that. I love it. Yeah. It was the two Rays. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But like having her around uh, as a foil would be really interesting, whether it's in the future still, whether it's in Ahsoka against Thrawn or something like that. I, I think it would be foolish of them to to change that. So I will give them benefit of the doubt for now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Filoni is very good at long form narrative. So yeah. I have faith in him for that aspect, like the movie that's coming. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sean Favreau may have said they haven't planned out all of Mando. You bet your ass. Dave Filoni has at least timelined the shit out of this. Oh, yeah. For Definitely. Ahsoka. Like he knows what he's doing. Mm. Whew. Okay. Next, we're going to head into our final questions and predictions for next week's episode. I think we're probably going to see Gideon fall next episode, eliminated from the Mandalorian as the main villain. I think we're going to get somebody else for seasons moving forward, unless for some reason he's escapes again <laughs> somehow Gideon escaped again if he <laughs> does go down I really hope that Bo gets to take him out that's the only thing that that's said. the only thing that would work yes unless Thrawn kills him for being insubordinate and going off and doing his own thing because Thrawn doesn't like that <laughs> <laughs> he's like I like pawns who think but not like that <laughs> yes <laughs> I like to know what's going on for the most part um, I really still want to see Fen Rao. I think Kevin McKidd needs to join the series immediately so people stop shipping Bo with random people. <laughs> <laughs> and not her real boyfriend. Um, I'd love to see that the protectors were still out there. Kind of doing their thing. Mm-hmm. I Anders, mean, I, what do you think I have oh. to jump in real quick and say yes. this because this is tied to what you're saying. When the fleet leaves Navarro and mm-hmm. then jumps to Mandalore, you see there are less ships there are clearly less ships that left Navarro when they arrive on Mandalore. Mm-hmm. I am holding out hope that some of the fleet went out to gather some uh, other Mandalorians and rally them to the cause. That the would be ran. a yeah, that would be a fantastic way to get Finn Rao in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's a great way to do it. I'm really hoping it would be amazing. That'd All be right, so sorry cool. to step on your toes, especially if Bo was like, I know where my ex boyfriend soon to be new boyfriend again is mm-hmm. go find him <laughs> i think my main question for the finale is how how and when will the mythosaur come into play because i mean that's that that was Chekhov's mythosaur man come yep. on <laughs> we got we got to have it yeah we saw another giant beast mm-hmm. to remind us that there are these great creatures here so who will tame? i mean it makes it would make the most sense for Bo to tame it but if you require mm-hmm. like a force connection to, to do it quickly, you know, yeah. that could be Grogu getting involved here. And, you know, I sent you guys, I sent you guys the image just would be the coolest thing ever. If they recreate the image of Ezra Bridger with the, yes. the eyes of the Lothwolf right behind him. Yeah. But it's either yes. Bo or Grogu and it's the fucking mythosaur coming I'm out sorry, of the shadows. It's gotta be Bo. It's gotta be Bo. I think it should be though. Yeah. It should be though. <laughs> he deserves but it. But I want to make sure that we see it happen. Yes. No book of oh, Boba yeah, Fett absolutely. where you just like mm-hmm. where she, where he runs a, where she runs away and then just comes back and happens to be riding the thing. Yes. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah. No. 
Mm-mm. No. You have enough time. <laughs> you can show us her taming the mythosaur. Yes, absolutely. That would be so I, cool. Okay. I, I have to say, I love everything that we've been seeing. I'm really enjoying the plot line. Why couldn't we have gotten a scene of of Gideon escaping? It like we've had these flash uh moments over to like checking up on Imperials, checking up on other people. Mm-hmm. It it really feels like this is something that they could have shown us already. Like have it be like this little horror moment. Oh, what's going on? They're boarding the shuttle. We can't see who it is. And then just get a flash of a helmet at Gideon escapes. It would have been so cool. Just to, like we, we needed a little bit. I am I am disappointed that Gideon just shows up again after being captured. And, and we don't see any of it on screen. Like the actual events that we're getting, I'm enjoying. Just that is bugging me still. Like, they wanted to create this mystery, but that would have been, like, an end-of-season yeah. mystery, not necessarily mid-season. Yeah, I'm not opposed to the actions they took. I'm just, I'm very confused on why a lot of this had to happen in Book of Boba Fett. I just... <laughs> no. And Book of Boba Fett felt so disconnected from this. Like, I just... Mm. Choices. Yeah. Choices that... Were... Uh... Doing Put me in the writer's room without telling us they were, yeah. and that's the main problem with that. Put me in the writer's room. <laughs> I can well, let's help connect some of these things, baby. Well, and there will be a lot of connection, Daniel. There's a lot of things to connect because there's a lot of Star Wars content coming. Oh my yes. god! Oh, so now we're gonna kind of leave Mandalorian where it is for for a second and get to some of the news out of Star Wars Celebration. So just as a, we'll try and keep it brief, but let's just see what happens here. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so first things first, one of the notices that came out, the Bad Batch is coming back for a third and final season. We were wondering if this was going to be the I case. I called it. I <laughs> called it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That will be coming in 2024. The cloning pal- plot will be kind of front and center, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we also got news cool. of three new movies in the works now i think some some people have 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 called it like we've we've heard announcements of star wars movies several times in the last couple of years and they are just mm-hmm. not really coming and none of them have actually come to fruition i <laughs> hope these ones actually do though suppo- Me too. so supposedly we have we mentioned dave filoni is doing a star mm-hmm. wars movie it will be a few it's a few years out and will yeah. in theory connect finalize or conclude the plot element the connecting plot elements introduced in the mandalorian the book of boba fett ahsoka and skeleton crew mm-hmm. so this is kind of the culmination of the quote-unquote like mandoverse yes what do you guys think the about the star this? wars avengers equivalent it's the mm-hmm. star wars avengers equivalent i'm really surprised though i'm curious of what some people are going to think if it is, in fact, all of this stuff, because are people going to bitch and moan that, oh, do I have to watch all these shows to understand this movie? I mean, here's Probably. The thing. Sorry. I mean, it ha- <laughs> if you, you want to bitch and moan, like, I'm sorry, there's a lot of different uh, Star Wars things that you can watch. Maybe yeah. you don't watch this one. Maybe you don't but watch this one. this one is going to be for the people that want to see this. 
Yeah. And I also think it'll probably be a good movie in in and of its own right. I mean, yeah. they used to do this. There used to be there have been movies that continue the story told in a TV show before. And guess what? They're still good movies on their own. You could mm-hmm. watch Serenity without having watched Firefly. I don't know why yes. you would, but you can watch the Downton Abbey <laughs> movies, both of them without having seen the show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it can <Yeah>. be done. <laughs> it can be done. It has been done. Uh, the next one, uh, James Mangold, is supposedly doing a Dawn of the Jedi set about 25,000 years before the events of the original trilogy around the so first excited. Jedi. Lawrence of Arabia I, in space? Yeah, biblical <laughs> epic type thing. James Mangold is a great director. Mm-hmm. He knows action. I mean, he directed the Wolverine and Logan. Yeah. So he knows how to do dramatic. He knows how to do action. I know he's done other stuff. I'm sorry, James Mangold. I don't know the rest of your filmography really. He's That's got just... the new Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. He's got the new Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah, he's Jones doing the movie. new Indiana Jones, which looks to be continuing the trend of making the odd numbered ones good and the even numbered ones suck. Um, so, yeah, James Mangold, I'm really excited to have him Temple of Doom do isn't that a bad. Star Wars movie. <laughs> Still not great. Still not great. Um, I am excited. Yeah, I think that could be really exciting. And then we've got a Ray post Rise of Skywalker new Jedi Order type movie. Yes. This is really exciting. I, is I really personally cool. am looking forward to this. I'm excited and nervous as yes. a person who has read the new Jedi Order Legends yes. books. I am afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Very afraid for Ray. Um, if she's doing a new Jedi Order, I don't remember if they said the Skeleton Crew kids were Force sensitive, but we know Jude Law is a Jedi, yes. and these kids are like lost in space kind of situation. Maybe I they swear to God, we better get Broom Boy Broom in Boy. the Academy. Mm-hmm. Could come back for this. <laughs> Could be Grogu. Um, slight spoilers for New Jedi yeah. Order: a horrific <laughs> uh, external threat extra galactical threat comes to yeah. New Republic. I really hope poor Ray doesn't have to deal with it. <laughs> guys, I'm I'm sorry. I really don't want to see Yuzon Vong. I don't think it's going to be the Vong. I think it's going to be the Grisk. And okay, I think yeah. it's going to come because they take down Thrawn in the Ahsoka series and the Filoni movie. I think it's and... going to have the long form consequences of Ray having to deal with the Grisk because they take out Thrawn, okay. who is the one I who could, is I worried about the Grisk. Yeah, <laughs> that's... I'm much more okay with that. That sounds Poor great. Ray. Poor Ray. Also, I just want to say I know John Boyega probably doesn't want to come back. Yeah. Understandable, and I really get it. Though, if they throw the bag at him and he does decide to come back, mm-hmm. let Finn have his awesome jedi story that he deserves i saw some amazing fan art the other day Mm. of him in like uh old like clone armor it looked like it looked like he had like this like old style kind of like clone or mandalorian breastplate on and robes and a sick lightsaber and i just want that for our boy he's amazing finn we love you john boyega i totally understand either way yeah like just want the best for you Mm-hmm. I'd love for him to return. Yeah, somehow Ray needs some help. Yeah, somehow Finn returns. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Ray is going to need some help if Definitely. this is heading into Legends New Jedi Order territory. Mm-hmm. If she's going to help, 
Uh, another trailer we got is the Visions Volume 2 trailer, which looks so fucking cool. The different <laughs> animation styles seated. here. The hype is real. <laughs> I mean, we got some really awesome, great looking animation. Mm -hmm. We even have a Wallace and Gromit, like, Aardman uh, Aardman Studio, Studios, Aardman, yeah. Let's Go. I The trailer was so much fun. They paced yeah. it so well between the serious and the funny you got a real good uh, feel for all the different animation styles. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so I, looking forward to this. Visions was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. And Volume 2 looks like it's going to have my attention a little bit more than Volume 1 did. So I'm just going to be I'm just going to be honest there. I'm very excited for Visions. I'm so excited. I just think that all the different animation styles look so fucking cool. Mm -hmm. And they look like they're just going to have so much fun. And I just love the idea. Again, we talked about it with Visions Volume 1 of just handing some people keys to the kingdom and saying, yeah. play with it, do whatever the fuck you want, yeah. have some fun with it, T show us something new. And yeah. they did. And they like did. the first Visions, I think so many people were pleasantly surprised by mm -hmm. how much they enjoyed it. They tuned in, being like, oh, I'll give it a try. And then we're like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. like, this is actually <laughs> excellent. Yes. And I yeah. think the studios involved with the next season. I'm very excited. They're yeah. this is going to be excellent. Mm -hmm. We also got a trailer for Young Jedi Adventures. <laughs> this so is the, cute. It looked adorable. <laughs> I actually so my niece and nephew were visiting this weekend. So mm -hmm. I watched a decent amount of Spidey and Friends on Disney mm -hmm. Plus. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yep. And this looks to be in this very similar vein. Uh this is the first series taking place in the high republic era it's very much geared towards young kids yeah is this going to be like great brown break groundbreaking star wars probably not but like i told you guys it looks like something that would be really fun to pop a couple edibles and just give oh, yeah. your way yeah. through i mean yeah. i will probably try and watch this with my niece because she has started to show interest in star wars and i think this would be great and yeah i hope it is as enjoyable as bluey because bluey oh. has set the standard for oh, kids Bluey's, programming for me absolutely Bluey is, Bluey is amazing. So <laughs> Bluey is the best show in the world, and I will stand by that. I mean, isn't Yoda in Young Jedi Adventures? Though? Yoda is in Young. He's a terrible parent. <laughs> <laughs> He's very Yoda's bad at his job. We get to see the kids flying their little Jedi vector ships, and it's looks yeah. just oh, so cool. Sweet. That's adorable. I am here for it. I will watch it yes. gladly. <laughs> also said during the higher republic we obviously didn't get to see any of the footage but there was the panel for the acolyte i was so I, mad about this, that <laughs> i'm so i just i want this I show so bad i cannot show. wait for this though the cast oh my we god oh the cast looks amazing i'm so excited Though so i found Moss. out something that makes me upset uh -huh. there is going to be a zigerian in really? this show there's yeah. going to be a zigerian and apparently they are going to be uh, uh, not CGI. They're going to use like real oh, prosthetics, prosthetics huh? and stuff. Okay. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. Apparently, they're a Jedi, from what I've heard, Ooh. and that makes me uncomfortable because I hate Zigerians. And why do I have to root for one? Um, I mean, they're I'm cats. sorry. The, I like the cats. slavers. <laughs> I love cats, but they're slaver assholes, and Zigerians are terrible. Mm -hmm. but, but daniel no, there's also going to be remember remember junus our, our new chewbacca is going to get to be his own wookie jedi in live action oh, okay is okay. he Burry? we don't know they won't <laughs> tell us 
<laughs> but they they said that the description of the show is like Kill Bill meets Frozen 2. I'm here for it. I'm I am so, so here, here for, for it. it. So it's like a vengeance cool. story. It just sounds so yeah. fucking cool. And this is the show when they announced it. Like we knew nothing about it, but it yeah. as long and I was just like, I'm so much more interested in yes, this than anything else. Absolutely, yes. Especially if this is the crew that gives us Darth Tenebris, which gives us Darth Plagueis. Mm-hmm. Like if this is the kind of chaos that brings about a Bith oh. Sith. <laughs> Oh my god, I want that. And a banker and a banker Sith. How to make the most evil Sith Lord by night. How to make the most evil Sith in the galaxy. Make him a banker. He's a capitalist. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Other piece of news we got. So the High Republic, which is this big publishing initiative that's been happening over the last couple of years. I think phase two is kind of towards its end getting towards its end game at this point they did announce Mm -hmm. that they're going to kind of slow down the release schedule for phase three which i think is the last planned phase they just want to give the individual releases more time to breathe let people kind of catch up on them they tend to release a book kind of for every grade level in very quick succession you get like a middle grades a young reader a comic book and a a young adult novel and like a a full-on adult novel (laughs) All within all like a week, of, all at the same time. <laughs> I um, I'm behind. fall behind. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, Higher I'm Republic. Behind. You're fun though. You're fun. I tend to save all my Star Wars reading for the summer though, because that's yes. that's beach. It's a beach read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the announcement. We are officially getting Tales of the Jedi season two, which I know we're all excited about. Blue Did we please. get any announcement of who's going to be in it, or just no. how it's happening? Just They're that rude. it's happening. No. Okay. <laughs> I want Plo Koon, Kit Fisto. Um, I, I want Tales of the really Sith. Cool. Yeah. Oh uh, my I would God. Want Tales please. of the Sith to do Young Maul because he is yes. really cute. And what happens to him is horrible. <laughs> oh, he went through terrible, terrible stuff it's in right Legends and Canon. Like, yeah. Yeah. all of his. Great... Yeah. All of his stories are always tragic. That would be a great mirror to like the Ahsoka training one that we got. It would be the yes. mall training. Oh, oh my god, god, it's so yes. horrible. Where he has to kill his only friend, the droid. Mm, my yeah. god. I'm not <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for them torturing Maul. <laughs> only to like give more gravitas to his character on screen. Yes. Uh and we got some more news. Again, we didn't see any footage, but we got some news about skeleton crew. Jude Law is officially uh playing a Jedi, which sort of Maybe he's the son. Maybe he's the secret son of a Jedi. I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, that was my one other, uh, my one other candidate for the spy in the Mando uh, season Jude finale. Law? No, not Jude Law. <laughs> Sorry, I'm connecting several disparate threads here in my mind. So oh. there was a random like ginger teenager, yeah, uh, who was very heavily featured in a couple shots. He was like right next to Costco Reeves a few times, and I'm just like, who the fuck is this kid? Corky. <laughs> it's too old. He's too young to be Corky He's at this point. He's yeah. too young at this point to be Corky, but I still say Jude Law could be Corky. He could be Ewan's son. I would love that oh so much oh, if <laughs> so he was ridiculous. Corky. <laughs> I'm so here for that. Yes, and uh, Skeletor is going to have this kind of like Amlin, kind of like a Stranger Things type vibe. Kids in the unknown regions, here for it. Kids on yeah. speeder bikes. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited for it. I'm down. Mm-hmm. And then this piece of news didn't actually come out of celebration itself. I'm pretty sure, but it was it was like right around the exact same time. So I'm just throwing it in here. 
some news on the Mandalorian. So Rick Famuyiwa did say that kind of the end of season three is kind of this. It, it's kind of the end of the the initial story that we were telling, right? And we've kind of noticed the show has been going through this sort of transitional phase all season. Mm-hmm. And now the idea that the title, The Mandalorian, doesn't necessarily just refer to Din anymore like it did at the beginning. It's more about the Mandalorian people, yeah. which kind of opens up the doors to a bunch of new stories. I, I don't know how much I fully agree with that. Like, we could have just done a spinoff called The Mandalorians. <laughs> oh, no. Would have, like, could have, should have. And say it's an <laughs> anthology two. series about decent about a lot of things. Like mm-hmm. season two was already, you know, something that heavily featured Boba Fett. Uh season three heavily featuring Bo Katan. Like it's already been baked into the show. I don't think it's that weird to me personally. I don't um, think it's necessarily that yeah. weird, but I think that the difference between season two and season three is that in season two, Din was still the driving force for yeah. it all. Yeah. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. And that's and I mean the show has the show has changed, the show has evolved, and that's just the way it is. And I think it's still a good show. Don't get me oh, wrong yeah. here. Yeah. Um but I do could be called oh. the Mandalorians uh, yeah. instead of the Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I just, just hope we don't lose our Din and Grogu. Up. Yeah. I'm here for it. Give us all of the Mando content that you want. Yes. But last, certainly not least. The biggest, oh, the biggest piece of news <laughs> and trailer coming out of Star Wars Celebration. We got the full trailer for Ahsoka coming in August oh, of man, this I year. Died. So excited! I died. <laughs> I I watched it so many times. Yes, amazing. It's very rude to ask a person how many times they watched it. <laughs> it was seen as many times as it was was needed. Yes, we'll just exactly. leave it there. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure, guys, we could have a full... We could probably talk for an hour and a half yeah. about this. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. In fact, we were fact contemplating we doing just that. The fact that we got casting yes. made me so happy. I'm so glad he's back. I'm so glad Lars Mikkelsen's back. Lars Mikkelsen it, is officially back. That's what we back. needed. It's, it's, I'm so glad that he has just been lying to us for the last year and a half. <laughs> Thank you. One <laughs> Thank of my you. favorite things that came out of Celebration is that... Um, Lars Mikkelsen basically corrected someone that was interviewing him who said, and Dave Filoni also said that Thrawn is like the Moriarty of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And Lars Mikkelsen was like, no, he's the Sherlock of (laughs) Star Wars, which is what Timothy Zahn has always said. Thrawn has his own Moriarty in Legends. So Thrawn is Sherlock, and that is how Lars Mikkelsen is playing him. So I'm like, interesting. you get the character then, because it's like Filoni saying he's Moriarty is like, you don't understand who he is, <laughs> <laughs> who Thrawn is very well, if you think that he is Chaos Incarnate like Moriarty is. So I'm I'm very happy now. Lars Mikkelsen, I wasn't quite sold on him live action wise, but seeing him on stage, he actually kind of took this Thrawn stance. He put like his hands behind his back and clasped <laughs> his wrists together. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> he's, he's got Let's it. Let's do he's, it. He's yeah. being Thrawn. So now I am much more here for it. Very excited. Just like, oh, give us the footage, you cowards. Not just the back <laughs> of his head. <laughs> After remembering that he was the russian president in house of cards in like season three or four mm-hmm. i'm like oh yeah he can play off that intimidating 
Uh, like he can do that. I'm, and I'm he ready. was a bad guy in Sherlock. Like yeah. he was a yeah. Mm, he was a villain in Sherlock. So he at least knows this kind of character needs a gravitas. Yeah. In and order he can for bring people it. to follow him, and he can, yeah, he can bring it. Now in the well, trailer, we can... in the trailer, well in the trailer, we only saw the back of his head. We did mm-hmm. get some. We did get a peek at some other footage that they showed with a with a full face shot. And mm-hmm. Colleen, I think you and I agree. We're just kind of hoping that the uh, quality of the image wasn't that good because otherwise, I'm I'm worried. Because <laughs> cheekbones need to be popping. Otherwise, the it's quality not of the image isn't that great. It's mm-hmm. also months before it releases, so there's still mm-hmm. time for VFX to be done. Yeah. yeah like- Marvel I think I... has already brought us characters like Gamora, or not, or Marvel brought us characters like Gamora and Nebula that mm-hmm. look really good. I think that they can do Thrawn justice. It's just a matter of the, True. the right and the I have right no prosthetics, doubt. right makeup. Yeah, I think that that's all fine. I honestly think the hardest thing to sell Thrawn in live action is the red eyes. Yeah, like Gamora, Nebula, right. going all the way back to the early two thousands. Nightcrawler looks phenomenal. Yeah. But the eyes oh, are yeah. gold. Nebula yeah. has black eyes. There's a reason That's that they true. didn't give Voldemort red eyes in the movies. In hard, the other yeah. movies. It's very, it's very hard to pull off. To but it's such a distinctive character trait for the gist that it's like you can't not do it. Right. That's how you know so, they're not Pantoran. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so hopefully they, they all get it done. But yeah. Speaking of Gravitas, though, mm. we got Ray Stevenson in Star Wars. That is <gasps> yes! so cool. We've got Ray Stevenson, Rome, baby, and right. So we've got Ray Stevenson and Ivana Sokno. They're playing Balin Skull and Shen Hati, mm-hmm. uh, and they're wielding orange lightsabers. So that is interesting. But I just have to say, Dave, I see you. Look at you. I know how much you love your little wolf motifs. <laughs> Skull and Hati. Skull and Hati. <laughs> the Norse wolves. Okay, Dave, I see you. He loves wolves. I am not mad at him about that. Yeah. He's a dog person. That that's just great. He is a dog. I'm person. Really I mean, he likes the low to cats too. Let's be fair. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. And we did the get white to see a low cat. cat. He was in yes. there. That's Ezra's symbol. Is the mm-hmm. white low cat? We know nothing else about who these characters are. No. We I'm see them really both fighting Ahsoka and fighting them. Imperials. Yeah. We know that yes. they're master and apprentice. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. But that's Possibly Dark Jedi or Grey Jedi, which will set the internet on fire, and I am ready for it. <laughs> wow, Star Wars can set the internet on fire. Didn't no. didn't know that could happen. <laughs> also, I just got to say, Ray Stevenson's character, uh, Balin, looks really cool. It looks like he's got like this knight-like armor on, yeah. and then the hilt of his lightsaber is reminiscent of like uh, Vader's in the 1977 poster, like uh, mm-hmm. for A New Hope, where it kind of looks like there's a a hilt on it and it's orangish like that so it's cool the little the little things they're adding on to him mm-hmm. we also saw some of our favorite rebels characters finally in live action yes. we got sabine we got chopper this is like my favorite moment because i totally saw chopper doing his little like arm wavy thing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and i assume that he just killed about 100 people yeah, absolutely that's 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 what happens yeah. mm-hmm. everyone's favorite murder droid he's a war criminal everyone but one yep. we can get behind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we get our first real look at Hera. Yes. Mm-hmm. Still not, still not super crazy about the casting of Hera. Not gonna lie. Well, I, I, I love, love, I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I, 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 I still don't see it. <laughs> I wish she had been cast with a woman of color actress. 
just because that's yeah. how I always saw Hera mm-hmm. as being this feisty. Like this would have been another great time to find just ugh, I can never pronounce her last name, but Garso. I can never pronounce her last name, but Garso she's Flip? fantastic. No, not Garza Whip. She's an actress. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? I can never, not Garza Whip. No, I can never pronounce her last name. But just, there are so many great actresses out there that are women of color that would have done this role a lot of justice. And I don't think Mary Elizabeth Winston has like the height either, like to be this commanding presence. I'd love to see it. We'll just have to, yeah. Yeah. I I hope to be proven wrong. I absolutely hope to be proven wrong because I think because she is a great actress. Like don't oh, get, yeah. don't get me wrong on that front. Garcelle also... Bouvet, that is her name. She, French okay. French name. <laughs> mm. I can never pronounce her name right. <laughs> That's who I wanted to play Hera, but we will give her a shot and see how she does. Oh totally. Oh yeah. And then I mean we have we we have the recasting of Sabine. I could have seen the voice actress potentially doing it. It, I it think Tia poss- could have done it. I th- I honestly think though for the it I, I know Hollywood plays with this all the time. I honestly mm-hmm. think Tia's too old to do Sabine be... at this point in the timeline. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I think there's a solid like twelve to fifteen year age gap between her and this actress. I think yeah, Natasha Lou Buduzo. Yeah. And at least she Thank is you. <laughs> like an ethnic actress. Like she is a, a woman of color mm-hmm. playing an asian inspired character (laughs) yes same with ezra like we're getting actors playing people of color which is good to see yes great to see that job of the hut cameo don't whitewash these characters (laughs) we do love a good job of the hut cameo (laughs) oh Oh, poor sweet ezra you're only a hologram now but we're sure we'll see you in at least the last episode of season one of ahsoka (laughs) definitely i cannot wait (laughs) Uh, we also got some footage. Uh, well, we didn't get to see it, but there is some footage out there of Sabine using Ezra's lightsaber. Yes. Which is, I'm and so here for. Riding a speeder, allegedly, that I yes. maybe saw that. Yes. Maybe mm-hmm. saw a spaceship as well in that. Maybe mm-hmm. allegedly saw that. Maybe allegedly we saw the ghost. We saw the Phantom. Maybe. Phantom maybe. Well, Phantom <laughs> 2 was in the trailer. Yes, yeah. Phantom 2 was in the trailer. I know some people were confused by that. And it's like, no, that's not the ghost. That's the Phantom yeah. 2 that they acquired after Ezra destroyed the Phantom. first Phantom. Yes, and then, I mean, one other big thing to come out of this trailer, we have David Tennant coming back into Star Ooh, Wars, yes. returning as Huang. Huang? How do we say it? Huyang. Huyang. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good. It's all right. Yes, the lightsaber smith droid. <laughs> yes. Who apparently I thought sur- he was for sure dead, but I was hundred percent sure he was dead. Really I, if he doesn't to see that he's back. If mm-hmm. he doesn't show up and is like, "Hey guys, you should see what's happening on Ilum right now." <laughs> <laughs> Something is rotten in the state of Ilum, y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's a droid, so they don't listen. <laughs> yeah. Womp womp. And then, I mean, we didn't actually have this one in our notes, and I can't believe we did, we didn't. But you know, the titular character Ahsoka Rosario <laughs> as Ahsoka. <laughs> Just giving the heir to the empire shout out to oh Thrawn to make Amazing. us think about that, and just mm-hmm. generally kicking ass and taking names. Yes, she looks she phenomenal. She looks fantastic. Yeah, I think Rosario has really proven that she's a great live action Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. 
He really is. I'm excited. I loved excited hearing the, the heir to the empire drop. That is ice creamed again. <laughs> <laughs> that is a legends call out for the first book that Timothy Zahn wrote for the Legend Star Wars universe that introduced us to Thrawn, Pelion, Coruscant. Mm-hmm. First mention of Coruscant and Mara Jade. So maybe Mara Jade is in our future. We we don't know yet. Yet never know. You never know. Yeah, we can let see. Luke have sex, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real reason he he went off for for so long because yeah. uh, he had his heart broken. He did. Yep. And he became mm-hmm. jaded. Last Jedi, Luke. Oh, and then. Man. The news that was not in the trailer, mm-hmm. but it broke completely separately. We have Wes Chatham being cast in Ahsoka, and they don't actually name him, but he is described as Thrawn's right-hand man. So, Colleen, is this? <laughs> is this my second husband? <laughs> <laughs> second husband, Eli Vanto. Is that you? Um, I would love this casting. He is um, from the X-Bounds. He plays Amos in the expanse and he is fantastic He's on phenomenal. that show uh eli is supposed to be a little bit more brown like he's a little bit more a person of color at least in the thrawn comic he was some kind of like mm, maybe he's not maybe he could be playing a chiss that thrawn picked up along the way in his adventures in the unknown regions so we don't know that would who be he cool. is yet i would love if you i would love to see eli though even that, if it's not, oh. it it would be great. So mm-hmm. many people he could be, but Thrawn's right-hand men in Legends and Canon are Eli and Pelion and Karen Farrow, but she did not go into the Unknown Regions with him. So it's hard to say who he is. If it is Eli, I would love it. <laughs> He's a space cowboy boy, everybody. He's from Space, Texas. And he does not put up with Thrawn shit. So this would be a great sounding board, I think. If Eli is included in the series. Well, we fingers crossed then, because that does sound fun. I'm here for any anything and everything that is Timothy Zahn adjacent. Uh, Dave Filoni has said that he has spoken with Timothy Zahn about the show and about Thrawn's creation in live action. I'm really hoping that he did because yes. if he's like straight up villain, like we got in rebels, that's not going to fly <laughs> because yeah. that's it not flew in rebels. Eh, Cause it worked of... for the time. It worked for the time being because they didn't need yeah. a villain to be really, really three dimensional. Like he did have his moments in rebels where he showed his kind of more unhinged side, his not as collected side, but not nearly as much as Zahn would have probably put into the character. So I'm, this is another thing, like we were talking about before, where Dave might skirt over details from the books. And I'm really, really hoping that he was not lying when he said that he consulted Timothy Zahn for Thrawn. Because this, it needs to hit. Like, Thrawn needs to hit and hit well. Mm-hmm. All right, anything else that you guys want to talk about? No, no I'm going to have enough it. fun editing this one. To- <laughs> <laughs> is, so let's cut it there. Yes, we have talked a lot about Star Wars today, everybody. 
So thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts and hit that follow button. Check out our previous episodes on the main Star Wars films and other great Star Wars content, including Vision Season 1 if you want to kind of catch up. Check mm-hmm. out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can find Anders and me and sometimes Daniel as a guest star on Bohemian Geek Studies podcast. You can find my Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. And of course, join us next time as we break down the Mandalorian Season 3 finale. I can't believe we're already here, you guys. We're already here. I cannot wait. I will be waking up so early on Wednesday yes. to watch this. Oh, yeah. I will, too. And I don't wake up early for anyone. Mm-hmm. Not the <laughs> listeners. I just don't. Just Pedro? Just Pedro. Only, only wake Pedro. up early for him. As we all know. <laughs> Until then, everybody, remember, your song is not yet written. <laughs> Fucking poet, man. What a great line. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. <laughs>